Hey, it's Grant. Before the show starts today, I want to tell you about Hangover Destroyer. Hangover Destroyer is the only all-natural product medically proven to prevent a hangover. If you like to drink at night and be able to think in the morning, one shot of Hangover Destroyer lets you have all the fun and no side effects. Go to Hangover Destroyer's website, that's hdestroyer.com, write happy hour in the coupon code, and get 30% off your order of Hangover Destroyer and seize the dawn. again from Uptown New Orleans. Hello, I'm Grant Morris. Happy Hour is part of the family of shows on the podcast network, itsneworleans.com, brought to us today in part by Petite Pet Care. If you're going out of town or you have a schedule that keeps you away from home, the folks at Petite Pet Care understand that some pets are fine going to a kennel or doggy daycare, but others prefer the comfort of their own home. For loving care when you're not there, Petite Pet Care have got you covered. You can find them at petitepetcare.com. When you walk into a bar in New Orleans and you pull up a bar stall, you never know who's going to be sitting on either side of you. What you do know is no matter what they look like, what they're wearing, whether they just got out of a limo or just got out of jail, they're going to be happy to talk to you. Because that's New Orleans and this is Happy Hour, a cocktail-fueled 60 minutes of random conversation with folks who have nothing in common. Other than we're all New Orleanians in a bar, in this case we're at Wayfair on Ferret Street. If you'd like to know something about Wayfair and you don't, Wayfair is a restaurant and bar serving handcrafted food and spirits where Chef Kevin White puts fine dining into a sandwich. That's not just some sort of bullshit slogan, that's the truth. Chef Kevin White is a fine dining chef who has cooked alongside Mario Batali, among others. And when you have that kind of a guy of making a fine dining sandwich for you believe me it's a whole other thing have you guys tried the sandwiches here they're delicious they're absolutely awesome they're amazing have you tried them chris i have tried them and they are very delicious they are very delicious <laughs> aren't they so come on down here to wayfair check out the sandwiches and check out one of their uh happy hour cocktails mm. as well they have a long happy hour here from four to seven every day that's at wayfair on ferret street where we are. i want to introduce you to my guests sitting around the table here they are chris reed to my left elizabeth pierce and these two guys in the band from the Fake Carls, whose names are Julie Wishin and Steve Panacek. Is that how you pronounce your name? Sure is. Well, you guys have got very strange names. <laughs> and sitting in for Andrew Duhon today is Sarah Riga. Hi, hello, Sarah. Hello, hello. So we needed someone to be a sidekick while Andrew's on a uh, tour around Europe. And so Andrew put you up for the job, Sarah. I'm, so I'm ready for so anything thanks that for coming happens. Down. Let me tell you about something about these guys. Chris Reed's name and voice will be familiar to listeners of NPR radio station WWNO. Chris is the guy who does the GNO Info Minute. I do. Can you, what do you, how do you introduce that? How do I introduce that? Yeah. What do you mean, how do I introduce that? How do you say, what do you say when you first come on and say, hi, I'm Chris Reed with the GNO Info Minute? No, I never say it that what way. Do you I say, how do you say it? I say something pithy. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what was today's one? Uh, today's was on the Uber thing, uh, the city oh. council meeting with the Uber uh, and all the questions they of that. They didn't meet though, right? I thought they... No, they met. Oh, they... They met Tuesday. They postponed it two weeks ago and then they met Tuesday and... And so my pithy intro was something along the lines of uh, the very first rideshare service in the city of New Orleans is not Uber, not rideshare, not sidecar. Wait for it. Wait for it. Enterprise Rent-A-Car. <laughs> <laughs> but it's go. true. Okay. <laughs> Enterprise Rent-A-Car is I'll actually... i you up. Yeah. So no, that's but that, anyway. the intro like that followed by data that's worthwhile. Enterprise will only mm. take you to Enterprise Rent-A-Car's office though. Yeah. Well, no, it actually, they have a, uh, I didn't know this, Enterprise Rent-A-Car actually has a rideshare service very much like uh, really? Zipcar. Mm. 
Who knew? It's I in 35 states. Yeah. I had no idea. You can so, go pick so up a car somewhere? Yeah, you just go and they you, you sign up for their service and then they have the car just like Zipcar, parked all over the place. Mm-hmm. And you go and you, you, know, you use your smartphone to unlock the car. Well, I didn't know I mean, anything it's about a, that. It's the same. Oh. I had little did I know well, either. I okay, so do you recognize his voice now? Mm. You guys don't listen to NPR? WWNO and the GNOinfo.com in it. Oh, I know that one. Well, for the other 1,339 minutes of the day, Chris is Chief Technology Architect and President of Enterprise Services at the Carrollton Group, a technology company he founded in New York City in 1995 and moved to New Orleans in 2000. Wait till you hear this, though. Chris's clients include the Deepwater Horizon Economics Claim Center. Yes. Unbelievable. Chris's company built and operates the technology behind getting everybody their share of the $7 billion paid out on the BP oil spill. Wow. That's, and if you think that's not even And more billions enough, to come. There's more billions yeah. to come. Many more. Are you getting a percentage of everybody's billion? I wish. <laughs> be nice. I wish you were too, because you'd be buying for a long <laughs> exactly, time. Exactly. I'd be buying rounds. But you're not, so you, you got to, but you designed this whole thing that pays out $7 billion worth of. I oversee it. We're actually in the process of redesigning it right now. Wow. And you took time off to come down here and have a beer with us. I did. Thanks. I hope someone gets you a drink, by the way. I like the shirt with a different color nice. cuff. Very That's fancy. very cool. Another one of Chris's clients is the Road Home Hazard Mitigation Grant Program that was. paid out over $6 billion. Was. 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 The Road Home at last is long over. It's well, finished. not long over, but They're over. Home. Everyone's home. Well, no, but not that either. <laughs> <laughs> the road's closed. <laughs> the road is closed. A lot of the road's closed. Bridge the Road out. Home is done. It's all over. So that was, but that's a big job, too. That's huge. Yeah. So my first question to you about all this is, you must know somebody, right? No, actually, the Road Home program turned out personally for Art for Carrollton was actually a, a bust. We ended up getting money, killed right? on that project. Why did you quote? No, the wrong the, uh, the state ended up. We were working underneath the Shaw, and the state ended up holding up all the payments and wow. everything. So it took us almost a year to get the very first check for that project. Well, hey, didn't the that Road Home? No, that sucked. <laughs> that was very bad <laughs> for but us. Didn't they fuck up everybody's? Uh, uh, more or less. I mean, everybody's been waiting for years. Some people been waiting for like almost ten years now. Yeah, that's true. So you know, you got paid out okay. Yeah. But that's it, all it took over. Only a year. And my <laughs> final sentence to tell you about Chris Reed is Chris recently started play, learning to play the piano. So we could eventually play Tipitina. And Big Chief. Awesome. And Big Chief. Those are the two I wanted to learn how to play. Wow, nice. How's it going so far? Well, I can't play them yet. <laughs> how, how are you learning? When what did method? you start playing or practicing? Uh, about nine months ago. Oh, no, really? I, that's I, all? What's that? That's all. Nine months. Okay. Yeah, and I've gotten, I've gotten reasonably along the way. But I'm a long way from Professor Longhair. How are you <laughs> learning? How am I learning? I pay for lessons like anybody else. You have a teacher, piano yeah. teacher. Yeah, yeah. You see, that's interesting because I thought you were part of that thing, 2D Dynamics, which was... I am, which is, uh, which I is a music education, but you have right. to have a base. In order for 2D to be really effective, yeah. you kind of have to have a base uh, from which to work from. Oh, you have to sort of have some clue. Yeah. So you can't yeah. just... So tell, yeah, so hey, tell them what 2D Dynamics is. It's that is I- cool. It's an iPad-based bass player that lets you look at multiple angles from all sorts. If you're doing like a band and a song, you can see the drummer different angles on the drummer, different angles on the guitar, different angles and everything. You can stop it, loop it, wow. uh, share with other people, um, do all that sort of thing. So it's record your own stuff being played and then share it out with your friends your or your music teacher or whatever. And tell me this, do you have a piano at home? I do. You do. What kind? 
It is a oh, these are the funniest names. It's a uh, young young chain. Ooh, a young chain. That's a good that's one. A, yeah. Do you know something one. about piano, Sarah? No, not really, but it sounds. How did you know that was a good? <laughs> one? <laughs> it, sound, it sounds like a good Doesn't one. It it's young. It's no Steinway, but it's a. Uh, it you know, it's, it it's sounds fancy. I have one of those electric. Oh, you, you play know, the piano too? You put well, not really. Actually, my piano no. teacher she teaches on a on a on a regular electric keyboard. Yeah. Who's and, your teacher? Uh, Emily Otto. I've never heard of her. She play, uh, she's also sings with the Siren Sisters and okay. she does a lot of a lot of show work. How do you uh, spell it, Emily? What? Otto. O T T O. Otto. Emily Otto. Mm, how did you pick her? Uh, how did I? Friends. Looks friends. Good looking. She is, but is no. She hot? Uh, friends. Does she friends lean over you it? while you have to touch your hands? <laughs> no. Hey, you better watch it. <laughs> yeah, actually, my wife's not going to want to hear that. No, no well, no, you no. can actually. Tell. My wife takes um, piano with Emily also, but uh, are you both learning the piano? Oh, yeah. wow, that's interesting. What's how does that work out? Is she better than you, or are you better than her? She is better than I am. Is it competitive? Well, she's also got about four months ahead of me. Oh, so she, oh, did it she started so first. So it's she started first. So she's ahead. Do you have children? Well, I do. We have a seven-year-old, and that's actually why we ended up doing this. Yeah. Was we said, all right, well, you're going to learn piano, but I couldn't. It's one of those things where I think if you force a kid to do something and you're not willing to do it yourself, mm-hmm. then right. it doesn't have as much impact. So I was like, all right, well, then I'll We're do it We're all doing too. it together. And I'd always wanted to because I'd wanted to learn how to play. Right. Well, that's different. You know what I see? One. one day in the future, just the whole family getting on a bus, taking over the U.S., just going from little place, little like honky-tonks. The, the yeah, exactly. <laughs> I don't know about that. You know, <laughs> it's a little right. tiny bus. You have your family on there, a I little I mini fridge in the back bus? and a mattress, and the family just goes on the road. I love the sound of that. That's a great <laughs> yeah, idea. That the, re- like fun. the Reeds. Just playing the Let's piano. Let's go around the table and keep going. Elizabeth <laughs> Pierce is here as well. Hi, Howdy. Elizabeth. Hey. Elizabeth is a cocktail historian, a writer, and a cocktail tour guide. She's the writer of the blog Open Tab which is about the American drinking culture and bartenders. Yes, all of them. All all the bartenders in America? Yes. (laughs) Well, you must get to meet some interesting people. Yes, uh, my my diary is full of drinking. Wow, what a life. Let's go on here. Elizabeth is also the author of the book, The French Quarter Drinking Companion, Mm -hmm. the definitive guide to bars in America's most eclectic neighborhood. Do you make a living out of just boozing it up? Uh, Yes, which is why I can't complain about hangovers to my friends or or, uh, how how difficult Tales of the Cocktail was. Have you tried Hangover Destroyer, our Uh, sponsor? I took took a a note of the uh, the coupon code. (laughs) Hdestroyer.com. You go into hdestroyer.com and type in happy hour on the coupon code. They give you 30% off. I know. I'm very excited. Well, you say you drink for a living. Kind of. Um, I so I observe and write and tell business. stories about drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, so as I was uh, explaining to musicians around me, <laughs> I am I'm not a bartender. I don't make up drinks, and um, I don't. I am less interested in how drinks taste. Although of course I love good drinks, uh, and more interested in drinking, people drinking in right. bars and culture. Like and uh, so the book, The French Quarter Drinking Companion, my co-authors and I visited a hundred bars in the French Quarter, oh, and awesome. we wrote a short story about what happened to us in each one. Wow! So it's a hundred wow. narratives moving across a neighborhood, oh my gosh. from high to low. Um, from night to day to night again. That um, is so much fun. It, well, it, it was, and then after a while, it became a job because it was a job. Yeah. Um, but not a job that you could ever complain about, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, here's the fourth bar tonight. Let's go. Pay attention. Focus. How did you notes. end up getting into that? Like so, where, how did, um, what was the progression? Two, so there were three authors, and two of us were unemployed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so I recommend to everyone that when you get laid off, and you're drinking because you do, if you live in the city, that's what you do, 
um, that right. you should you should take notes. Write a book uh, about I it. Bet, no, no, just while you're drinking, whatever seems like a good idea, uh, because when you're sober, some of them may be. And what what uh, percentage did you find of yours were good ideas? I would say five to six percent. Oh, that's pretty good. <laughs> so I we, find we zero. Dreamed, we dreamed of this, we, and we realized that there was no. Um, so I'm I'm kind of in the tour tourism world, right? And we realized that there there was no guide to the bars of, of the quarter, which is where most visitors are coming, right? Right. So there are you know Gambit does a, a bar a bar guide for the whole city and really across the lake too. Um, there are guides to restaurants and bars in New Orleans. There are guides to New Orleans, architecture, history, and whatever. But um, really, m most of the visitors stay in or near the quarter, and they're going to drink in the quarter. And so it, it's certainly geared to visitors, but I think the, the most uh, delightful compliments uh, about the book have all come from locals who have been like, oh, you nailed it. This is totally what would go down at, you know, the three-legged dog or the, the well, is there a bar, or the dungeon. Is there a bar that we as locals wouldn't know about? So I think um, uh, the, the thing that delighted and surprised us the most as locals is how much fun we had on Bourbon Street. Really? Bourbon Street gets short shrift among locals mm -hmm. as, oh, it's this touristy place, trashy, but I mean, but it's not. We had a ton of fun. Are you everyone is having fun, and uh, that is not to be sniffed at. You yeah. know, so you need to like you need to leave your snark and your cool, and uh, just embrace the endless Steve Perry and Jimmy Buffett, <laughs> yes. and you know, have a tutor, uh, sing along the with the cover the, band. Well, the fact oh. of the matter is, you're walking down a street that's absolutely jammed up with people who are pretty much drunk and unattractive. It's usually hot. The music coming out of most of those clubs is Back fucking awful. Back that up by Juvenile. It's dreadful. You probably heard that song a million times. Yeah. But yeah. So we're, we're and then it's, so no, it's, inter just, it's interspersed with people yelling you at you, trying to get you to come in and watch naked women take their clothes off no, or put them back on. You just have to And, and in between that are these awful t-shirt shops. You embrace the joie de vivre. Says I got fucked up on Bourbon Street. So what is the, where's the good bit? Uh, I would say all of that. I think like you need okay. to like there is karaoke. There is stories and all the joy. There is no other place in America uh, with the exception of Las Vegas but the, the vibe in Vegas is is different um, that absolutely encourages and supports um, in, inappropriate excess right. and like there is nothing uh, that represents the Protestant ethos in on Bourbon Street and there's nothing that is shaking its finger at you about like you know, you really shouldn't be doing that. Except you those people with Bibles well, that yeah, stand there yeah, and shake their finger at you. Yes, they actually are. But yes. that's more of a Baptist they're, sort of they're thing. They're from out of town. Those aren't the Catholics. They're drinking with you. Yeah, and, totally. And I just see a lot of Americans who are living lives of moderation. They're coming to town. And desperate moderation, Well, this really. is what happens. People come to New Orleans and, and they forget that there is even a law here. They get crazy. Yeah. They walk out in the middle of the street with but a they drink. Just, but they can't believe that you, I mean, because we are one of the few places that you can walk around with a drink in your hand. That's a perfectly civilized activity. Although I just Not learned. Really. I just learned Big ass beer and the hurricane and you think that's civilized? Like, to walk your dog while having a beer. Like, well, because you can only do it, um, you can actually only walk around in the entire city of New Orleans, Orleans Parish. With an open container since 2001. I bet nobody really? knew that. No. It wow. was not enforced. Did you guys the, know that? Um, I had no idea. I thought How that was... That's yeah, it started we never in had the a 70s with Bourbon Street, but uh, for the entire city, 
2001. Uh, changed 2001. I've been driving around with a drink in my hand. No, that's been illegal for a while. So <laughs> no, but that is in fact still illegal, uh, unless you have the tape. But what about walking? Straw. Yeah, right. What about uh, walking around the? You're only been allowed to walk around with an open. In outside of the French Quarter, since 2001, wow. legally. It's I never, never knew obviously that. It's never well, enforced. I didn't know that. But, um, Tell me this. I have one more question. Sure. Do you find that most of the stories that you wrote in your book, were they about experiences with some of the other people that you met at the bars? Yes. Or was it more about you and your friends? Like It was a mix. I mean, we had a hundred. You know. Wow. So sometimes it was... Some of them, do they just go crazy until like four in the morning and you're like, I'm eating cheese fries at F&M's. But not I don't F&M's really, because... But yeah, no, obviously, obviously, yeah. Well, but, are uh, you going to expand to other neighborhoods? Um, that that's in discussion that's but I, it's it's harder because the walking like right. in fact the thing about the quarter that's so great is that you Enterprise, move from <laughs> uh, you move from high end iconic beautiful you step outside and you can turn in any direction and go uh, n- neighborhood divey you know, Bourbon Street crazy, like mm-hmm. the, the sheer scope and scale and variety of opportun- drinking opportunities that the French Quarter offers is really unparalleled in the rest of the of can New I, Orleans. Can I ask you a question? So a number of years ago, some friends of mine and I, we, uh, my wife and this other couple that we're close with, we, uh, they live in the Marini. Also players? Uh, they are not. <laughs> not and, uh, anyway, so we were, we were walking... Uh, into the quarter and I said, you know what we should do? We should go out tonight in the quarter and go to no bars that any of us have ever stepped in before. I like that. And we did this. (laughs) You would be surprised. I don't think we got two blocks. Yeah. Yeah. There are over 200 places to get a drink in the quarter. We went to a lot of places that that we had never been because I do. I think locals, we have our haunts, right? Mm -hmm. We have our favorites. And if you don't live in the French Quarter, and even the folks who do, you know, like, this is th- these are the places that you go to. You drive, you park, you take a cab, whatever, and then you hit your favorite places. Mm-hmm. And so um, that we got to experience that as well. Stepping and out of your yes. comfort zone a little bit and places getting out we there. we had never been. Yep. And hey, listen, that was a lot of fun, too. Have a quick sip of that cocktail, and let me tell you about the fake Carls. Oh. The fake Carls are a band, two of whom are here, sitting right next to you. And you didn't even realize it. This is Julie Wishon and Steve Panacek from the fake Carls, which is a funky folk rock band born in New Orleans as a tribute to their friend Carl. Hmm. The fake Carls are students at Loyola University where they are paying tuition to write songs, play shows and record music. Their latest recordings are called Jollies and Larkers and Bite the Pillow, which you can hear on Bandcamp or you can actually hear them play live right here. We should make you play right now, I think. Right now? Well, you think or you need to have I would like to hear a little something. Do you want want to know some more about them before we make them play anything? I want to know about Carl. (laughs) <laughs> you want to see about Carl? A lot of people want to know about Carl. I mean, everyone wants to know about fantastic. Carl. Fantastic. Oh, well, I guess you're gonna have to answer that question now, seeing that Carl's come up. How how is Carl today, actually? He's, he's well. He's great. Yeah. yeah, he's actually visiting in September, so we're excited for that. Yeah, he's from Seattle, uh, Tacoma, Washington. Uh, he lives in Seattle right now, going to University of Washington. And how do you both know Carl? He went to Loyola our freshman year, and the three okay. of us were like best friends. We didn't really hang out with anybody else. And then <laughs> it was a little unhealthy. It was a little unhealthy. And then he didn't tell us that he wasn't coming back, or at least he didn't tell me. But yeah. then he just kind of didn't show up was sophomore he, was year. He, was he your boyfriend at the time? No. no was we he your boyfriend at the time? Strictly Steve? platonic. It was all platonic. Know, man. The whole thing is platonic. That's you, what I'm you sticking two, with. You it two was guys the three of them. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit. It was okay. a little weird. It was a little weird. So you guys are like Carl, but fake. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's the real Carl. We can't be Carl. We're we can not. be like Carl. I what? think there we is a story really. about exactly. how the fake Carl, like that term, came to be, though. I don't think I was there, though. The fake, like oh, fake yeah. Carl. Well, me and Carl had beards at the same time, and uh, and yeah, we were uh, drunk one time, and so we're a bunch <laughs> of the people on his floor, and they saw the both of us. They didn't know my name, so I said, "Hey, Carl," and they looked at me and said, "Hey, what's up, fake Carl?" So that's oh, kind of okay. that's that how it came about. Oh, that's yeah. a good band name. I like that. Did you have a band at the time? Not, Not really. really. We played music. Uh, Carl played a little bit too, but we were a little more serious about it. Um, and we just, you know, played a little bit on the side, but uh, we decided we'd start writing music after he left. Were you in music school at Loyola Music Studies School at the yeah. time? Yeah, music industry. But you didn't have a band together. You just not were studying. Not yet. We were just kind of all playing music together, but right. not writing or anything. And then when Carl left, the two of us kind of didn't oh. know how to hang out by ourselves. So, so sad. We so started to form writing a band. music. Right. Yeah. And then I kind of decided to name it after him. Like, my part in it was that I wanted to use, like, ugly pictures of him for our graphics <laughs> to get back at him for leaving. So I like that. Yeah. I wish Carl was here. So do we. Do you, do you still miss him? He's always Absolutely. here. Absolutely. Oh, every, every day you miss Carl. Oh. What kind of a jerk is he for not telling you he wasn't coming back? <laughs> I don't know. I well, was isn't that good. weird? <laughs> he was upset as we were. Yeah, he was. Why didn't he come back? Does he, is he sick or something? No, no. He just, uh, I think he uh, didn't like being so far away from his family mm-hmm. and his friends back home. So. And you, where are you two from? New Hampshire. Okay. Both of you. Yes. Yep. So we did y'all know each other in New Hampshire? And then you both came to Loyola. Yep. You decided together, like, we oh, let's the, go to Loyola. We went to the same high school. And we okay. didn't really decide together to go to Loyola. It's kind of a thing that happened. Yeah. So you're okay. not high school sweethearts? No. No. You're not I a couple? We went, to, we went to senior, senior dinner, dinner dance, dance together, though. We were kind of good friends, sort okay, of. Okay, so this is a wacky story. Then you end up coming independently New to Hampshire. New Orleans, yep. mm-hmm. to the same music school. Right. Well, we're both interested in music, and there's not too many options out there where you get a business degree as well. Right. So I think oh, it's an opportunity we both were excited about. What so do you think about New Orleans versus, you know, living up in New Hampshire? <laughs> there are live. things to do here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's really nice. Yes, and what do you nice. think about the winter here versus where you're from? Okay. It's incredibly Check nice. Out. Yeah. <laughs> Check out I this guy it. just walked in. I bet you wouldn't see that guy in New Hampshire. I this saw him the no. other day at the grocery store. With a giant he was awesome. a doorknock. <laughs> what he the hell? He's a bartender at Sobu. I feel like everybody knows this guy. He he makes the rounds. I saw him. He works at Sobu. Yeah, he's a bartender. He's everywhere. Why does he? Why is he wearing a business suit? Um, he I think he has to wear at least the the Oxford part for for work. At Sobu. Yeah. So he's a bartender. He's a bartender. Oh, I thought he was. Uh, bartender. Wow. What's the definition yeah. of a talented bartender? Um, well, okay. So you got to okay. be able to manage um, all kinds of personalities that come to you in all shapes. On the other side yes, of the bar. On the other side. All right. Um, so that's that one skill set that people host, you know. Um, also, being creative, mm-hmm. um, but not being self-absorbed in your creativity. Mm-hmm. Always being aware that um, your job is about service and serving and and so you can go to somebody and be like, "This is uh, what I'm, what I'm like. Tr- this is the spirit I like to drink. These are the flavors I'm interested in," and they're willing to kind of work with you if they have time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's uh, the definition I, yeah. of a good bartender. Well, it's, what it's about the ability? To, what about the ability to listen to someone and, and uh, make I them feel? Under, I would sorrows. put that under managing everybody. Oh, okay. sh- whoever co- is sitting across your bar, they're going to need. Flies. They're going to need <laughs> right. something from you besides the drink. Yeah, they'll need a little advice. Yeah. yeah. So tell us. Could you tell us maybe one of your stories that is that you know you love 
that happened whenever you were writing this book? Maybe a funny time or a crazy thing that happened on Bourbon Street, just something out of the normal that you want to share with us? So my friend, uh, Alice, so Allison and Richard and I were sitting in the old absinthe house, which okay. faces Bourbon Street. And it has. And do they have real absinthe there? They, d- they do, but with we the were not. Cubes. Yeah, but we were just drinking okay. whiskey. Um, so um, the it has French doors mm-hmm. uh, that open onto Bourbon Street, and Allison and I were sitting with our back to Bourbon Street, um, just kind of taking in. I mean, it's a it's a place that's been serving drinks for a long time. The uh, bartender is you know been there. You can just tell everybody's very comfortable in mm-hmm. there. Tourists are visit or local like. And it was on the earlier side of the evening. And the thing is, so every bar has a story. Um, and you sometimes you just you just had to wait for the story to come to you. And sometimes we had to go to a bar more than once. Like oh, maybe awful. it's maybe it's a it's a daytime or it's night. Like the Aaron Rose, for example, one of my favorite neighborhood bars. Like, do we write the two a.m. story or the two p.m. story? <clears throat> Got the one for two p.m. Uh, so we're sitting in the old absinthe house. And um, what time and is it? It's about six six p.m. Okay. seven. And all, all of a sudden, the, um, the bartender, she looks at us and she tells us to move, like to, to move from our seats. And she was very adamant and And you're about sitting it. at the bar. We're sitting facing her. Okay. And with our backs to the door. Gotcha. So you two, get out of those she, seats. She knows she's like, <laughs> move. And we were looking and then we realized that she was looking at something behind us. So we turn and there is a horse oh, uh, with a no. cop on it. And so the uh, the horse comes and up to the bar. <laughs> Into the old absinthe house. Tell me, she uh, says, why the and, long face? And she has <laughs> a handful of, of maraschino <laughs> cherries. Right? Oh, cherries. my god! So as my mother would say, this is not the horse's first rodeo. hey right? So he comes in, and the cop is not dismounted. I mean, he's just sitting there because he could fit, you know, through the French doors. And so then the horse eats the cherries, and, and the cop is like, you know, hey, Julie. And Julie's like, hey, you know, hey Alan, you know, or whatever, because this happens every night that uh, that horse loves Alan cherries. Horse. And then um, he, the, horse, the horse started to eat our popcorn, Uh-oh. which is not kosher, and he's like, hey. <laughs> and then it backs up and then left. Get out and of here, horse. So we okay, left, that's a great we left story. at the beginning of that. the joke, which is, you know, a horse walks into a bar. Right. Uh, but, I love but that. Like, that kind <laughs> of magic just happened frequently. You just you had to sort of be around that? for it. What is That happened to me in 1993 during Mardi Gras. I was in the old absinthe house and a police, <laughs> I have a picture of it. An actual physical picture because wow. it was 1993. Right, you had to print it out. <laughs> yeah, it's been going on a long time. Perhaps. It was Alan on the horse. So this is, so, you know, this is like you work in the quarter, right? He's got to go to AA. And that this tradition, that there are all of these great traditions for people who are working in the quarter or living in the quarter and that the bars are th- these like places of community or com- they offer a communality and like things happen there besides every visitor getting you know fucked up on bourbon right. street mm-hmm. like they uh the, the bars are the places street, of the yeah, stories um anyway that so was cool. a, that was hey a listen night. guys that is a great story can we hear a song fake carls yes. sure yeah. yeah come on what are you thinking of playing for us well, we have an old song and a new song, so I don't know which one y'all want to hear. Mm. Well, could we could start with the one you feel like playing first, and then we can... Yeah, maybe we could do two. One, yeah, we'll have time for two. Go with it's old. It's a beautiful guitar. And then we'll follow your... It is a your, very uh, pretty guitar. Yeah. It's very you. nice. It's not mine. We should do a little... It's not yeah. whose, is it, Carl's? Uh, no, it's a beautiful no, no, color. It's <laughs> <laughs> Your friend, I love Shamanth. 
It'd be Shamath. better if it was Carl. Yeah, Shamath. Shamath. Yeah. Unusual name, Shamath. Oh, Shamath. Should I uh, adjust this? Or no, we should figure it out. I'm going to swing this mic over to you so we can pick you up. So tell us what you're going to play. Well, this song is called Mother Function. It's the first song we ever wrote, actually. And we started as an acoustic duo, and then we added on the rest of the band members. So this is one of the first songs that we wrote, you know, acoustically, obviously. It's got a math joke. Yeah. You don't like it when I tell people that. It's got a math joke in it. Uh, He yells at you when you say that. Now he says I used to say it at, like, every show. Like, hey, guys, there's a math joke. And, like, you know, obviously we have, like, ten fans. So it was, like, the same same ten people who would hear this joke over and over. And he was like, you have to stop saying that. Well, we have have at least another three people listening to the show who haven't heard you. Awesome. Let's see if we can pick the math joke. Manipulation, it's second nature when bullshit is in your nomenclature. I never want what isn't really you, only want what you can steal. And all is fair in love and war. Yeah, no one knows what to. That is great. That's beautiful. And everyone's looking at you, of, of, of course, uh, Julie, because, you know, you're singing. And, and <laughs> you you're have cute, but, an amazing but, voice. Well, thank you but very But you know much. what? Steve wow. is a hell of a guitar player. Oh, my goodness. Yes. Yes. Y'all are a great Steve's a much yeah. better guitar player than I am a piano player. <laughs> <laughs> well, he's been doing it for more than nine months. Yeah. So that's true. So where are y'all so. playing next? 
Well, we're trying to uh, get a gig for when Carl's here because we want to <laughs> feature him in the show, like fake Carl's featuring the real Carl. Um, so we are trying to secure a gig at Public House sometime okay. in September. So when that when okay. that starts to happen, that's we'll 2014, by the way. If you're listening to this sometime in the future, yeah, you yeah. guys are amazing. That's very cool. Thank you, thank you. How can people find you? We have a Bandcamp with all of our music recorded. That's free for download. We have a Facebook where it's easy to keep in touch with us and just see what we're doing. And then we do have a website that we're working on, but it's not quite there yet. So, okay. is it thefakecarl.com? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Pretty much. The good thing about being called the Fake Carls is you type us in on Google and all our stuff comes up because there really <laughs> isn't anything else <laughs> named that. Great. Wow. Well, yes. Carl could start and you're a, real, a singer a band as well. Real Carl. Yeah. You Carl actually manages our Twitter. Yeah. Yes. Elizabeth, yes, you're singing? singing Elizabeth day. is a singer as well. Sarah, is that I, right? Maybe we should. What should we do a little jam? I don't know. Maybe we should. Collaboration. Get, yeah. Well, should we do a little something? <clears throat> what I've been working on, um, I'm writing a musical about prohibition, but I'm not writing the music because it's already written. Um, back what? in the 20s when uh, so now if you want to complain about the government you, you post it on Facebook and back <laughs> in the 20s if you wanted to complain you wrote a song about it <laughs> uh, all the way started better way I yeah think. so um, uh, there's a guy that I did a show with two years ago um, as we hang on wait up what do you mean you did a show with as what uh, so it was, it was a cabaret called New Orleans down the hatch and we sang the history of drinking in New Orleans. So you're not just um, a writer, you're an entertainer as well. Yes, I, I think that first I'm a teacher, like my gut is I love sharing stories. And then second, I hope I'm entertaining. Are you actually a um, teacher for real, like no, a, a I school mean, teacher? My business is called Drink and Learn, so no, I'm, I used That's to be a school, school teacher. That's the kind of school I'd like to go to, Drink and, and Learn. Drink and Learn I taught high school. Did you really? Yeah. What, what uh, English? English, yeah. But this and is was better. it in New Orleans? <laughs> <laughs> uh, across the lake. Across the lake. North Shore. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so my business is Drink and Learn, and I tell the history of New Orleans through booze. Um, but there's no promise that and you'll she's remember. she's a singer. So you, <laughs> drop, um, you dropped out of being a high school teacher. Yes. To, to be a drinker. cocktail. Professional drinker. Professional drinker and tour guide. Yes. Seems like a good trade. And what was I want to be your best friend. What was the uh, <laughs> what was the day you made that decision? Um, so I knew that I wanted to get into food culture. I was really interested in, uh, and I think if you like live and work in New Orleans, that that's something that we, we see easy connections between who we are and what we eat. So mm -hmm. I ended up meeting this woman, Liz Williams. Um, at oh, she's got the Southern Food and Museum. And so I was like I was the original curator there. So okay. from from 2004 so to 2008. No, because she didn't have any money. So, I so had you quit teaching at <laughs> I, that point? I was teaching out at UNO. Okay, so um, what was a day you quit teaching to become a booze expert? Well, th so it's complicated. No, it's not. It's simple. A boozer. There's no. got to be one day that no. you said, Kids okay, got crazy. No. She's out. like, I'm no, out of no, here. No, no, no. I think it's a Slam the door. Yeah. It's going to be a day that you're you right. You slowly do more <laughs> drinking and less work. <laughs> <laughs> and then eventually you, you realize, start bringing wait, it to school. I actually think it's very important for people to hear that there are ways that you can find what you really want to do but you if, if you're still having to do this other thing that you don't dislike like I enjoyed teaching um, mm -hmm. and it gave me steady income so that I could start this other work mm -hmm. on this other dream that I, I didn't just say like one day I'm like okay I'm a cure I'm a senior curator now mm -hmm. it, it comes about right like, from just okay, like well let's go, let's, okay, okay, let's go around thing. the table then yeah. everyone's got something that they've always wanted to do right and but haven't had the courage to really do it you know, to give up to give up a steady job and to follow the dream, whatever it is. Chris, what All would right. you do if you could do anything? You had it. You somebody had to gave you a million dollars today, or five million dollars, and well, said, "Well, they did already." What would <laughs> BP probably? Gave what them. would you want to do? 
um, day today. Well, you know, it's not the money, though. I'm in a very unusual no position. Money. I do exactly what it is that I like to do, wow. pretty much. So, uh, and I and I have for a long time. I mean, it has its ups and its downs, but no, I I don't. Um, and what the only thing that I've missed, for? I have two things. I have degrees in English and history, which of course. Why I've been programming computers since I was a 13-year-old. Liberal so. arts pre uh, <laughs> education prepares you for anything. Well, yeah. it does, but actually the reason I ended up in English and history was because I already knew how to do programming and computers and all that sort of thing. And so I didn't want to do the same thing that was, you know, when I wanted, like, to, when I wanted to juice my GPA, I would go take some uh, <laughs> CS courses. Mm -hmm. But um, no, I mean, the, the thing that I think about, uh, there's a couple of short list of things that I've wanted to do for a long time that are not really job-related. One was I wanted to spend an entire summer at the beach, and two was I wanted <laughs> to spend an entire ski season in a ski resort. I feel like this could happen. I feel like oh, no, these are attainable happen. dreams. That's well, so since I have a seven-year-old, the issue that I have is, uh, so what I'm trying to do, not next summer, but the summer after, what we're going to do is we're either going to go to New Zealand wow. or Argentina for the summer. The so I can the other way around. Exactly. So I can ski the whole season there. Oh, twofer. Oh, wow. Right? But mm. my daughter Classic can still not twofer. miss all of school because you really can't, like, you know, oh, honey, it's let's take the kid out of school from November to February. New you know, Zealand's like, beautiful, I've heard. Yeah. I've heard people the people are that, great and yeah. just yeah, it's gorgeous. But people yeah. take some, take their kid off for a semester mm. and, you know, broaden their horizons. I could, but I stuff. figured if we did it in the summer and went to the Southern Hemisphere, then I could do both and not really. Mm. That is cool. Yeah. And what about the summer at the beach? How are you going to pull that one off? And well, what beach? Where, where are you going to be The problem with the summer at the beach is I'm probably not going to get that one because my wife Why? grew up on the beach and hates the beach. Is she from Florida or no, California? No, she grew up in Cape May, New Jersey. Okay. That's not the real and beach, though. It, yeah. No, it is the real beach. It's the coast, but it's not the beach. Cape May. It's not like the beach in Florida where you, you know, or Miami or something where it's people largely just like hang that. out. Is, is it? Yeah, totally. Is the water? Hanging out the whole year. The water's colder. Yeah. The water's colder, right, but right. I mean, I learned to surf in New Jersey and I live on the beach every summer. But anyway... She has entirely too many freckles and dislikes the beach entirely too much. So as long as <laughs> as long as we're mm. married, which I'm expecting to be for the rest of life, that I'm pretty much screwed on the beach thing. Yeah. Unless I want to go by myself. Well, at least you got one. One <laughs> out exactly. of two. I'll get. She'll do the ski resort. Yeah. She might change the beach. her mind. You never know. Get her drunk know. one night. Bring her. There you go. <laughs> tell her All to right, go right, out with. Now I'm playing it on. Yeah. Okay, <laughs> Steve. What's the one thing you would do with the rest of at some point in your life if you could walk away from everything? I would love it. to be an Alaskan bush pilot. That's wow. my dream. I'm going to retire and be an Alaskan bush pilot. I'm not quite sure what that is even. Tell it's us about uh, being a bush pilot. So uh, in Alaska, there aren't any roads. or There are roads, but there aren't very many. Uh, so most, uh, most uh, supplies are actually delivered via airplane. Um, and mostly really small aircraft that have to land all over all kinds of terrain, snow, um, mud, water. Uh, and there's pilots that actually deliver those kind of supplies on wow. uh, these tiny like planes. Like you everything, you mean? Do like you food? Fly? Everything, supplies. yeah. Lumber, building supplies, food, um, all that kind of stuff. Have you? Are you starting to maybe get your pilot's license? No. No. <laughs> no, this is way out there. But I think it's that just might be a first step. Is yeah. Fly exactly. First. Then, exactly. Yeah, yeah. then become a bush pilot. Yeah. I, I, I'm in no rush. I didn't yeah, say I'm in a rush. No, you're going to retire. So exactly. exactly. You're going to be a rock star. Are you going to be a rock star first? No, we'll see. Is that the plan? Sure. It's not the plan. And you'll, you'll but be, be a happy actor. Carl will be with you right there. He'll exactly. be your buddy. Yeah. He'll be a bush pilot as well. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Just two best friends. Julie and Bush pilot. on being a rock star, Julie? Yeah, I think we could we could do that. We could we could have a band that's super popular and famous. It just has to happen. Just gonna make it happen. Yeah, I think y'all yeah. are on the right track. Yeah, no, you guys are. <laughs> Thank right you. Now. So, Julie, do you have a long-term 
Alaskan bush pilot equivalent <laughs> dream? No, I'd be terrified to fly. Um, well, I definitely am working on booking. Um, I've been doing some internships, just booking artists. Uh, I booked uh, this guy, Daniel Waples. He's a very popular handpan player. I booked a tour in China. A what player? Handpan. It's like an African sort of type of drum, and it's got different scales. And it's you have it's to like look a, it up. It's, it's like nothing. It's like a drum steel drum, drum except yeah. backwards. I've it's, never heard of that. It looks like a flying saucer. Okay. Yeah. And he's so. one of the world's most adept handpan players. Yeah, I mean, How for whatever that's worth. Uh, I was going to say, <laughs> is, there a, is there a big community of no, handpan? Yeah. <laughs> it's it's they're, getting they're there. Not that it's hard. Hard. Where do you buy a good handpan? That's actually one of our biggest problems in that genre right now is uh, a lot he gets thousands and thousands of messages a day on his facebook of people being like where can i get one of these because they're really difficult to find well, chris wow. we're in here we could make hand pants. Mm. let's yeah. start making exactly. all hands yeah. obviously yeah. 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 clearly this should be a no-brainer i'm in yeah. do that easy. i'll sell it <laughs> wow. and when you say thousands a day that's a slight exaggeration or could we actually sell a thousand hand pants a day if we made um maybe not every day but the first like couple weeks it would be about a th like it would be a lot there's a lot of people that want hand pans that can't find so them so a thousand a day for two weeks <laughs> would be 14,000 <laughs> hand I'll put my life savings what does that hand pan cost it depends on the quality I think they're about ah, like 3,000 on average 3,000 something like that some of them for the cheaper ones what you pay for that piano the cheaper ones are like you know 3,500 Oh, See, for yeah, 3500 you can buy a beautiful and piano. And hand right. pans yeah, but are... You can't, you can't walk around with a piano. True. That's true, yeah. Did he, hand pans originate, you said, over in Asia? Um, I'm not exactly sure where they are. I think it's an African instrument. He, um, I remember he uh, did a lot of traveling early on in his career. What's and that's this guy's name, Mr. Hand Pan? Daniel Waples. <laughs> Daniel Waples. Daniel Waples. W-A-P-L-E-S. Yes. Daniel yep. Waples and he's his hand pan. He's from London. Look yeah. him up. Daniel Waples. Yeah, from, he's British. Cool. Is he British? Yes got like really long dreads and oh, an wow. accent. And how do you call him <laughs> Hand Pan Dan? <laughs> <laughs> if they don't, they really should. <laughs> how it sounds like a dish. Hand Pan Dan? Good yeah. question. I would uh, like to hear Waples with the two of you singing. <laughs> so that we got the cool. fake Carls and we got some Hand Pans. <laughs> Featuring at Daniel What does a Public Hand Pan sound like? It sounds it like a steel drum. Like a steel yeah. drum. Okay. It's just, it's light and it's like you have, a, it's like percussion but it has a melody as well it's pretty wait a minute cool. it's conical it's like it's, it's imagine round. like a steel drum but upside down yes and it has little like i think i've seen this like this before. big yeah they're really cool well, why couldn't you just turn a steel drum upside down <laughs> yeah no i saw <laughs> it mean, there's no upside down we should do that and then just sell them so for double pan. the amount of a steel <laughs> drum <laughs> go buy cheap steel drums sell them as hand pans no i was All in, right. I, was in uh, I was in athens a few months ago uh, at in a where? conference in Athens. Athens. And there was uh, there's Athens, a lot of Athens, North Africans. Georgia or Athens, in, Greece? Uh, Athens, Greece. Really? Uh, Come on. And there's a lot of North Africans who are like street musicians and right. like in, in, in Greece. And they, they that instrument, that must be what that is. Because wow, they were playing this be. thing and it, I was like, well, sounds like a steel that? drum, yeah. but it doesn't look like exactly yeah. like right. a steel what drum. What were you doing in Greece? Uh, I was at a conference for EO Entrepreneurs Organization. You I'm are a world traveler. President wow. For the Louisiana chapter of the Entrepreneurs Organization. My yeah, goodness. EO. EO. Yeah. EO's a 10,000 person organization. It's uh, all across the world. Did you have some good food there? I had some awesome. Did food you have there. some? Yeah. What's the drink called that they drink? Uzo. Oh, Uzo. 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 Oh. I had a you shot of right Uzo person. just to have a shot of Uzo, but <laughs> no thanks. Oh. We're, we're going to get back to this um, musical about Prohibition in a minute. 
But, but, but so I don't think you got off the hook okay. about that. And I have, I have another question about drinks for you. Okay, I've write okay. that down. Tons I remember that because questions. I wanted to ask Chris while I remember this because, you know, we have, you know, our crack research team gave me this entire paragraph about you. Oh, and did it, they? Yeah. Great. We've been researching you for here. years. And I, I, there's a lot of people in the world who are going to be interested to find this out, actually. What? But you're one of the people who invented spam. What? What? Did not. It says here, in 1995, you started a company doing what we now call outsourced email. Right. This was in the age of AOL and Prodigy, and we had to explain why internet email was something that companies were going to need. Well, I had nothing to do with spam, though. Isn't that what became spam? No, that became email. It was email. You invented email? No. Oh, I, I thought you meant spam like the meat. No. How are we going to get there? I thought the because same exact thing. I was like, spam wow. Was I thought it that was started sticking. in Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> no, I... I uh, you could make yeah. a yeah. No, that was a spam can. That was... A company I started in 1995 that uh, died in 1998. Um, yeah, okay, but you invented email. In the I did not invent email. <laughs> so what did you come up with then? Outsourced? So at that time, if you, if you remember, Internet access was very expensive. You either had dial-up, like CompuServe and AOL and that mm -hmm. sort of crap, or if you were a company, for a lot of money, about two grand a month, you could get a T1 and get Internet access and have Internet email. Right. And so what a lot of companies were not willing to spend that much money on such a thing but they did already have modems and all that kind of stuff. And so what we would do is we would use their modems, and we had a T1, and then we would kind of, you know, outsourced. So T1 was like a super fast. For that time. <laughs> Very yeah. slow nowadays. It's but is it really? Because at the time, it was like, that was the, the So bomb. your cable modem at your house is 20 to 50 megabits per second. A T1's 1.5 megabits per oh, second. Wow. So it's and that was blazingly fast. 24th of the speed of your, yeah. you know, well, we all of had your Cox cable line. So, <laughs> but so, anyway, so when Cox yeah. and DSL came out in 1998, that kind of made that, very quickly made that business unsustainable. Oh, okay. Right. So you were the people, you were the guy people went to if they wanted to in New York. send a whole bunch of emails. In New York. That was pretty revolutionary though, right? It was revolutionary. It was a good opportunity. Mm -hmm. It just didn't last. The technology changed, and you know, well, we had to change so the you were ahead of the game, though, right? At that time, you must at that been. moment. Yeah. So sometimes you're ahead, sometimes you're behind. So where are you now? Um, you know, right now it depends on what you're talking about. We came up with a really cool talk about bands, and we came up with a really cool mechanism for tipping bands recently, that essentially enables. Um, people in the audience to be able to tip the band without actually having to interact with the band at all. No QR codes, no nothing. You just take a picture of the band and then bingo, wow. you can pay the band wow. uh, but that money, means get on their mailing list, all that kind of stuff. So that's ahead, but then there's other stuff that we do for clients that is behind. So well, I mean, what is depends. this thing called the tipping thing? No. Well, we call it Chirp. 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 It's called Chirp because it's all run on ultrasonic sound. Wow. I, it's... What are you talking about? It what does that mean? So what that means is your phone, all right, so ultrasonic sound, sound you, you not even dogs can hear, right? That sort of thing. Okay. So what you do is you transmit the data of the band. The band has an app. They turn on the app. It starts chirping out an ultrasonic sound. The people who have the app who can pay the band, all they got to do is hear it. And to even the loudest rock concert to ultrasonic is essentially dead quiet. Okay. okay. So, so in a club like this, so if they're playing over in the quarter, they turn on their app, bingo, and if they put it through the sound system, shit, you could hear it in a giant amphitheater if you wanted. So I'm in the audience here. I've got my phone and in my hand. And you just turn it on. Just you turn go, my hey, app on. I want to. I I'm love drunk. these guys. I want to get yeah. in their thing. Right. Oh, hey, this is this is the fake Carl's. <laughs> I totally want to give them money. 
right? And that's so that's cool. that's kind of a you know that's cutting edge stuff. But what made you think of this? Um, well, actually, a guy, and I don't know if he teaches at Loyola or Tulane. Uh, Scott Aegis, do you know this guy? Yeah, uh, he doesn't teach Loyola. He might teach it too. I think he, te- he teaches music business. Okay, and, and so that's why I thought you guys might know him. But I know uh, him from the festival production. Yeah. Business, right, right. He's he's big in the. F- he works at yeah. the at the French Quarter Festival uh, production. Right. Yeah. So anyway, so Scott challenged me to uh, what he wanted to be able to do was take a picture. He said, "What's the one thing you have? You have your smartphone. You know, you're at a you're at a club. You don't necessarily know who's playing. You know, you're down on Frenchman Street." And you like them, you want to throw them some money, but you don't really have any money in your pocket. You've got like $2 or something. You want to give them some real money. And uh, so he said, all I want to do is take a picture, and that's it. And have it show me like, oh, do you want to give these guys money? Bing. And so I turned it on to my team, and I gave them some ideas of what I thought. And what they came up with was ultrasonic sound. Wow. Cool. Good God cool. almighty. So you've created this whole thing. Wow. It's something we're in the process of creating. That would we be actually huge. just finished prototyping it, and we're doing a whole bunch. Are of You think stuff. you're going to have any problem from the people at Twitter now? You've called it Chirp. No, <laughs> uh-uh. no. and that's his working assist. title. I mean, who's those? Okay. That's what we call it. But we call it Chirp because it chirps. Mm-hmm. And can you get in <laughs> touch with the people in the band? Like, how I'll give you a blowjob type. No, the idea is more <laughs> to to be able to bridge the air gap between a person standing in the audience and the band without actually having them to interact directly because the band is doing their show right so it's not a groupie yeah thing it's no. just a no it's a ban- so you could join their mailing list you could join their uh you could follow their band camp you could follow their twitter feed you could do whatever you wanted to do that's in cool. addition to give them money so it's it's more of interacting with their whole digital persona but i mean that's something that's Pres- a product we're working presumably on right if you've already gone to see a band you've probably paid between but you five and a hundred dollars to get in or so you must know who so they are that's what i'm saying so how many times you've walked into dba uh-huh. And okay. you're there to see John Boutte on Thursday night, but whoever's opening up for John Boutte, uh-huh. you don't know who the hell that is. Mm-hmm. And so you're stuck in this position of like, hey, I like these guys. Who are they again? I don't know. They're the fake something or others. <laughs> does this, does this exist outside New Orleans, this no. lifestyle this where you can wander exist. into yeah. a bar and not this know who the This is something we're building now. We haven't, it doesn't even exist yeah, yet. Yeah, but I wonder if it no, does. I mean, no, I wonder if well, this, this culture of not knowing who the hell's playing. Oh, no, that's everywhere. It is? I mean, in New York City, for sure, where I grew up, is it's mostly like that. Oh, Nashville. I mean, you go into a Nashville bar on Beale Street, and you never know who those bands yeah, are. Right. Wow, Chris, good deal. Good old Scott cool. Ages. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, that's. I mean, when you talk about like cutting edge or not cutting edge, that's something cutting edge we're doing right now. You can name it after Scott. Call it Ages. You know, t- uh, you know, you'd make Scott happy if I did. I would. would. <laughs> but considering how you have to spell Scott's name, I don't think that will work. <laughs> that's what is it? A E G I S or something like that. A I G S. Yeah, A-I-G-S. and that's not going to. That's. Not that's gonna too work. difficult. As a product yeah. name, no, that's no, just no, not no going to work. Yeah, it's not going to stick. <laughs> no. Love you, Scott, but no, we're not naming it. What about ages. fake Scott? Fake. We could go fake. Scott. <laughs> I kind of okay. like chirp. We're going with yeah. chirp. I like chirp yeah. a lot yeah. better too. Good. Okay, back to uh, prohibition. Yes. So the music already exists. Yes. In what sense does it uh, exist? No, in the sense that people wrote songs about everything that was happening before, leading up to, during, and after prohibition. So an example. Um, Irving Berlin, which is a composer a lot of folks know, uh, thought Prohibition was stupid. And um, he he wrote more than one song. Uh, But uh, one of the things that people uh, did to get around uh, drinking uh, legally is that they would go to Cuba. So you could uh, get a boat or even on a plane. And uh, planes were more complicated. But uh, New Orleans was actually one of the ports of of, uh, embarkation to get a boat, go to Cuba, and drink. So Irving Berlin wrote a song uh, called I'll See You in C-U-B-A. 
because yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, about flying or going down to Cuba just to, to get drunk. Yeah. Yes. Uh, people wrote songs about go, you could go to the doctor to get prescribed um, medicinal whiskey. So there's a song called Oh Doctor. Uh, people, you know, sang about being sad, alcoholic blues. There were lots of uh, really terrible hymns uh, written by the Women's Christian Temperance Union about <laughs> how bad drinking was. Uh, lots of very melodramatic songs. Of, so um, what's the angle? What's the story? So the, it is the story of prohibition. So I uh, and my, my colleague and I will be telling, like, because people say, how did this happen? So there's some lead up, right? Right. And then uh, what was happening during prohibition? How did people get around it? How did they how did they cope? People stocked up their cellar because if you, whatever you had on your premises, well, you could on. drink okay. legally. Okay. Two this songs is a great, about this is a drinking great subject in your cellar. Here now because, yeah. because we've come to a point in our society where smoking is going to be totally illegal in five minutes. I mean, in Louisiana, probably by the time you listen to this podcast, it's going to be illegal pretty much everywhere. In New Orleans, you're not allowed to smoke hardly anywhere anymore. So Except bars. But, but, I mean, dr- yeah. you can but drinking was the same thing back in Prohibition days, I suppose. People decided it was evil, it was horrible, yes. and they outlawed it just like smoking. It's got a bad rap now. Is that, is that what happened in Prohibition? It just got a bad rap in public for some complicated. reason? Well, uh, so I would say that the gist is that it started with the saloon as being a place that was... Uh, anti-family, that people, men, uh, immigrant men, poor men, would go and spend all their money, um, get, you know, wasted, Uh, their families would starve, and then they would not show up to work the next day, they were hungover, they were unproductive. They should have been Mm -hmm. hangover Uh, destroyed. Is this true, though? Is it true? Is that the perception? No, well, it was, like, it was also true. Yeah. I mean, Isn't but the thing is, if you're, if you're really miserable, okay, so I don't know how many of you, knew, like post-Katrina, like the city drank a lot because it, I believe the term is self-medication, you know. Like if you're really, really unhappy because you're in a shit job and you live in a tenement and like, you have two changes of clothes and you have no autonomy and you have no control over your life. Yeah, but hang then, on, the whole nation, s- this is a whole nation you're talking about. This is like 200 million Americans or yes. however many there were. Well, it was tied up in, there was xenophobia, there was a real concern about like what our immigrants doing to our country Hmm. um so (laughs) like like these threads of worrying about the who were the the immigrants in those days uh so the irish and the drinking population the italians the germans the poles all my people those are all my people they're all big drinkers yeah yes the irish the germans the german beer uh thing wasn't helped when we entered world war one either Mm -hmm. you know so like when you say like how did this happen it's like this was a giant movement that started in the you know really around the civil war it was anti-immigration basically it was not only that the foreigners drinking it was it was it that was a that was a, a considerable part of it. How interesting. I yeah. never knew that. Did you guys know that? Yeah. I had no idea. Oh. I have to ask you this one question. Yeah, sure. What is your favorite drink? <laughs> what is the drink that you drank most when you were writing this book? Oh, so uh, that's two different questions. Okay. So my favorite drink is an old-fashioned. Okay. Mm-hmm. The drink my mother drank. It's what I grew up sipping on. Gotcha. Um, I have lots of great memories. And in fact, on my blog, I have a series of posts about old fashions that I, it's a it's a way that I, like, I walk into a bar and I order that and I know I kind of like know where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Um, but in general, when I drank around the quarter, I just ordered whiskey. Either on the rocks. Just rock, straight whiskey. whiskey. Or whiskey and soda or, or beer. Okay. Straight. Like a lot of places. Like a Covington beer or uh, something like, like that. Like a Covington yeah. beer if that was available. Um, but uh, we were also fronting the, uh, you know, the money to like go around and drink. So gotcha. in that no, you sense, so you're drinking. You get to finance your own research yeah, on so this thing. Yes. How yeah. much money did you spend on booze right in this book? Oh, I, don't, I think <laughs> it ended up being about a grand. 
Oh, that's well, not too yeah. bad. That's bad. Yeah, no. It's a strong Chris, weekend. Chris can spend that. <laughs> were, you, were you mostly going on Friday, Saturday nights? No, or was no, it an all-week thing? Yeah. It was Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, we, Friday. We tried to mix Saturday, it up um, just because, no because the quarter is not, <laughs> you know, I mean, the quarter's on Saturday. Right. It's not the same yeah. as Tuesday, yeah. day, right. and night. All that. So all cool. That. So, what, so, so cool. what's the prohibition thing going to be called? Well, right. Brought I mean, working, working title is Prohibition the Musical. Uh, also, or, or I like also, that. it could like be uh, No Beer, No Work, starring which the is fake Carls. No, no Beer, No Work, work which is yeah. a song that uh, was a rallying cry for the labor unions. And are you going to be? Wait, what, what song? No Beer, No, no, beer, no Work. work. We'll no be Beer, No Work. We'll cry. No Beer, No Work. Yeah. It's yeah. a catchy little tune. Right. I like it. So um, no shoes, no shirt, no service. Could, yeah, <laughs> something could like that. Could be the follow-up. Right. So you're going to be singing this as well. You're going to be performing. Yes, this. yes. And we it's going to be, be like a two-person show. Yes, Bob Eads, super talented, uh, Big Easy, n- multiple Big Easy award winner. Do you know where it's um, going to be? Where we no, can get I'm tickets? No, I'm still working okay. on a venue. But if you visit, public house, you uh, could open for. If you visit drinkandlearn.com, okay. that's my Carl. website. Um, I'll Drink be. I'll be. Up, you know, selling tickets and stuff through through my website. Perfect. Well, yeah. I think we're all going to go. Okay, drinking. That's great. Before we got to get out of here in a minute to make way for actual paying customers. But can we get the fake cars to play us the new song? Yeah. yeah. Okay. What's the new song all about? It's called Lukewarm Promises. Um, it's kind of about. Um, it's a lot of my lyrics are like not about anything in particular. It's just like inspiration that just happens. But this one is sort of about. Um, people and how you kind of have to work hard to be a good person and that you should be doing that rather than just like pretending like it's okay to just be an asshole everywhere you are. I love that. What's it called? What's it called? <laughs> Lukewarm Promises. Here we go. Little child has opened her mouth for the first time. What a window into the humanity of soul. First thing that she does is cry. And boy, the sound is starting to get oh, oh, oh. Little child has spoken her first full sentence. Find a question intelligent but odd. Simply ask, why does everything die? If you knew that baby girl, then you'd be a god.
and Steve Panacek on guitar. That was great. That was great. Thank, Thank great. you very much. Lukewarm Promises. I would not call his lyrics uh, random at all. That was yeah, quite... That was very nice. Quite a yeah, pointed stuff. Quite a pointed <laughs> song. Very nice indeed. Thank so uh, we have a link to your stuff on our website. It's neworleans.com. Mm-hmm. Many people can track you down and find out more about you as well. As for Elizabeth Pierce and Chris Reed, thank you very much, all of you, for joining us here today at Happy Hour. We've come to the end of it. It's all over. So it's time to, time to go have one more drink, all right, and that's it. <laughs> the producer of our show is Graham DePonte. Our associate producer and technical director is Chris Kehoe. Christian Unruh is our music director, and Joshua Brown is our music coordinator. The theme song to the show, which is currently being played, was written and is being played right now by Mitch Foreman. The fabulous audio quality of the show is brought to you in part by PreSonus Audio Electronics. For more information about their wide range of sound recording equipment and software, Visit presonus.com. If you'd like to be on our show and you can sit around a table for about an hour and stay upright, drop us a line. Our address is on our website, itsneworleans.com. We can also hear some other shows we make here called Happy Hour. Oh, yeah, that's this one. Along with Out to Lunch with Peter Rusciutti, live from Commander's Palace Mindset with psychiatrist Dr. Nick Pajek, true to the game, with Chris True and Timmy Nelson, and Midnight Menu Plus One with Margot Moss, and the man who ate New Orleans, Ray Canada. If you'd like a drink, check out Cummington Brewhouse. They're easy to find online at CovingtonBrewHouse.com. You can also keep up with us here on It's New Orleans, on Facebook, Twitter, and a bunch of other time-sucking social media. On all of it, we're called It's New Orleans. You can find photos from this show on It'sNewOrleans.com and on Facebook. These photos are taken by the fabulous, talented, lovely Douglas Engel, who's standing right behind me in a black T-shirt and red Mardi Gras beads. If you listen to this show on iTunes, on Stitcher, or on Swell, or another podcast app that you like better. Thank you for subscribing to us. Please, if you can, take one moment to rate and review us. That does actually help other people find us. Our show was recorded live today at Wayfair on Ferret Street, home of handcrafted food and spirits where they put fine dining into a sandwich. And that is really true. Happy Hour is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsneworleans.com. For Andrew Duhon, who is on the road somewhere in Europe, you can find him at andrewduhon.com and find out where he's playing if you happen to be listening to this show somewhere in Europe or the UK. And for Sarah Riga, who's sitting in for Andrew, thank you so much thank for joining us. Thank you so us. much. It's been a pleasure. It's great for everybody back at INO and for all of us sitting around here at the table at Wayfair. Thanks for joining us. I'm Grant Morris. That's Happy Hour. See you back here next time.